These messages are designed to strengthen you. You know, it's really important that you sit, you sit under the Word of God to where the Word of God is taught and it's rightly divided and be planted in a church that preaches the Word of God. It's got to be preached with the right heart. One of the things that is always in my life it's not enough for you to just hear the word. It's the spirit that it's taught in. Because me as a pastor, I am not to preach anything that I'm not living. Right? So there will be an, an anointing, but there will be a, a spirit about it that will get off on you. That's why you want to be careful who you listen to. Right? You want to hear the word of God in the right environment with the right heart. For me, in, the, in our church here, what's so important is that the word of God goes forth dripping in an environment of the agape love of God where the Holy Spirit is the orchestrator and the revealer of it. That is so important. You know, let those words go deep in your heart. He wants you to have that whenever you're one-on-one -on -one with him, whenever you're, we're together as a church family. God has a plan. And I could tell you this, it burns in my heart the season that we are living in. We're living at the end of the church age. It is of utmost importance that you and I live by the word of God. You know, we're talking about uh, really principle number two in winning every faith battle, and that's securing the word of God on the inside of you. Another way to say that is literally examining the foundation that you're basing your prayer life on and your walk of faith on. It should be a foundation of the word of God which cannot fail. There's many believers that literally are living with Jesus as their Savior. And, and, and that's great, and that's going to really do that person well in eternity. But it's more than that. See, I want to encourage you, live this year with Jesus as your Lord. That means he owns you. Give him everything. Don't get, open up every room to him in your life. He sees it anyway. See where he'll take you. He won't get down on you. He won't be surprised. He won't embarrass you. He'll honor you. He'll walk with you. He'll take you by the hand and he'll make you like him. So that's why we teach these things, amen? Well, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. This is actually week six in this series. And, you know, principle number one, we spent four weeks on this principle. You got to know your enemy. You have to know how he operates. Principle number two, we're going to, this is the second week we've talked about this. We're going to talk about securing the promises of God, securing the word of God on the inside of you. So in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. 
he shall have whatsoever he saith. So we know this, that faith works through saying, right? This is so important. I said this earlier, the difference between what you think you're going to have and what you actually will have depends entirely on the word of God that you speak out of your mouth. So important. And then it goes on in verse 24. It says, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Right? So you have to believe that you receive when you pray. The Bible says if you'll do that, and then you'll have them. So the fight of faith, your faith battle happens the minute you get up from that prayer. Believe that you receive, now, that, now that's the beginning of your faith battle. As soon as you say amen, the enemy is going to come. He's going to throw thoughts at you. He'll create circumstances that look like it, it's, it, it's not working out. He will speak to you over and over to try to get you to take his thoughts because if you don't give him access, he can't do anything. Does that make sense? So he's coming. So you got to know how he operates, but also you also have to secure the word of God why? So that when he comes, you can answer him. You have to answer him. And, and you need two to three scriptures that promise you that God has given you what, he, what you're believing him for. If you have that, then when he comes, you do just like Jesus in, when, he was in, uh, when he was in the wilderness, right? We talked about this in, extensively. Where you respond, it is written, it is written, it is written. Because the Bible says if you'll humble yourself and resist him, and we know to resist him, we resist him with the word, that he'll flee from you. Right? So let's keep going with this thought. Faith works through praying. We call, Mark eleven twenty four 24, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith must have the proper foundation. The prayer of faith must have a foundation of God's word. And when he comes, I don't care if he comes at you a hundred times with a hundred thoughts, you respond a hundred times. It is written, it is written, it is written. Right? So you have to know the will of God before you pray. So here, faith has to do with what you believe in your heart and what you speak out of your mouth. The principles of faith, as we said last week, the principles of faith work because of who God is. It all works because of relationship, right? Remember John 15? Actually, jump over there. John 15, 7, another, this is an example of the prayer of faith. John 15, 7, powerful scripture that reveals some things. If you abide in me, well, what does that mean? To abide in Jesus means to be in Christ, right? So this is talking about what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, Romans tells us it means that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in me. That's how I know I'm in Christ. When does that happen? When I get saved. So to abide in Jesus, this is talking about someone who's in relationship with God because they're God's child. They're born again. But notice... 
It doesn't stop there. It says also, and my words abide in you. So it's not enough just to be born again. You're given everything, but if his words don't abide in you, you won't be able to lay hold of anything. You have to have a relationship with him. You also have to have a relationship with his word, which is him. Does that make sense? It says if you'll do that, you shall ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. Not it may, it shall. Right? So we learn here that if we follow the rules in prayer, or if we follow the principles of prayer, if we follow the principles of faith, what, is, what, is, what, what happens in our life? It means you'll have whatever you desire of the Lord. If you'll follow the principles, you'll have the end result. The way Brother Hagin used to say this is the word of God works if you work it. Does that make sense? So when you pray, we pray effectively. Well, how do you pray effectively? You have to pray effectively according to the word of God. So this is, this is a huge, huge thing. Remember, the Bible says, so we have to have a foundation of the word. Well, the Bible says we can't receive anything apart from faith. And faith only comes, Romans 10, 17, by hearing the words of Christ. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can say it this way. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Right? If you don't know the will of God, you can't be in faith. So you can sit here. If you've come here long enough, you'll know it's God's will that he wants your needs met. He wants you increasing. He wants you healed. But it's not enough to generally know that. Because you can know that here. But what I'm talking about is securing the word of God so you know it here. And it's coming out of your spirit. And every time the enemy comes, every time anything that's contrary to the word jumps up, you're answering it by it is written, right? Has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with him. Because he watches over his word to perform it. The Bible says that he put his word above his very name. The Bible says that his word is forever settled in heaven. That's Psalm 119 verse 89. It's forever, notice how he said that. It's forever settled in heaven. Whether or not it's forever settled in your life is up to you. Whether, if it's settled on this earth in your life, that's your choice. But it is forever settled in heaven. Cannot be changed. The fact that you can do all things through Christ can't be changed. The fact that his joy is your strength can't be changed. Does that make sense? By his stripes, you were healed he carried, he, he bore your sickness and carried your pain. That cannot be changed. So the question is, are you going to lay hold of it and let it be forever settled in your life? Right? Just like Acts 27, 25. It's going to be, I believe God, it's going to be just like he said. It's not going to be like I'm seeing, what I hear, how I feel, 
that whatever. I don't live by that. I live by epinosis. It's a Greek word that means a higher knowledge, right? I operate in a higher knowledge based on what God said. God's word is his will. To have faith, you must hear God's word on a particular subject, whatever it is. This is so important. Faith becomes part of you when you hear God's word. Faith is birth. Faith, you could say it this way, faith, faith explodes in your spirit, man, when you hear the very sound of God. He is life. And the enemy can't stop it. So now I believe I receive when I pray. Father, I just believe that I receive my healing. I thank you for it. Right? So, so here I come to God. So I've got, I've got some symptoms working in my body. So I go to God. Now you could apply this to everything. Finances, peace, soundness of mind, restoration, all of these things is an example of healing tonight. This is how it works. So here, I hear the word of God. Psalm 103. Man, one of his benefits, who heals all of my diseases. Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed me. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through verse 6. Jesus, or he bore my sickness, he carried my pain, and with his stripes I am healed. 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes I was healed. Matthew 8.17, right? Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain, so if he bore it, I don't have to, right? So I have these scriptures, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, right? Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. According to Deuteronomy 28, verse 61, it includes all sickness and all disease. Why? Because How did he do that? He was made a curse for me so that I would be redeemed out of this curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon me because I could now receive the promise of his spirit. So I have that scripture. So I go to my father and I'm like, Father, I'm your child. I'm abiding in you and your words abiding in me for it is written. And then I'll go through, man, it's written. You bore my sickness and carried my pain, right? And so Father, right now, according to John 15, 7, I'm calling for, I'm making a demand for, I'm requiring my healing, Right? And I do it according to the word of God. And so, Father, right now, I just believe I receive my healing. Father, I thank you for the authority that you have given me in the name of Jesus. And, and your word tells me where it's written that whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So, Father, right now, I use my authority in the name of Jesus. Now, Satan, I speak to you. I speak to you and your whole satanic hierarchy. 
principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, every demon that's out there. I speak to you in the name of Jesus and I bind you in Jesus' name from hindering my body anymore. I command you to take your hands off and all your sickness and all your disease and all your pain has to leave now in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I thank you for that. And now I speak to my body with the authority that Jesus has given me. And now, body, I command you in the name of Jesus to come in line with the word of God, be healed and work properly, be made whole in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here comes the enemy, right? How does he come? Well, and in Ephesians 6.10, I'll just read this to you. We spent four weeks on this. Look at how he comes. Paul said this, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So now, this faith battle that I'm in, it's not my strength. I'm strong only in him. I rest... I cease from my own works. I don't have to try to figure out how I'm going to be healed. I don't have to know how my pancreas works or my liver works. I don't care. He knows. He made it. If he doesn't want to make that one whole that's in my body, he'll just put a new one in there. Right? So this is how it works. Now, now I've anchored the word of God. So now for this prayer, I have this foundation of all these scriptures. And I meditate in them every day. I walk around, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that my body's whole. I thank you that your healing power is flooding out of my spirit to every soul and every part of my body. It's quickening my mortal body. It's restoring it to health, restoring it to strength, making it whole. Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to have another day of pain. I, see, I got my eyes on God's word. And when the enemy's coming now, what do I do? It says here, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, how do I do that? I do that by, by being full of the word so I could say it is written. Because he's not going to flee from you. He's going to flee from you because of what you're saying what you're believing in your heart, what you're speaking out of your mouth, because his, his, the boundaries of his power is his word. And when his word is in your heart and in your mouth, it does something. It changes the environment. Like right now, the environment in here is different than it was before 7 o'clock, isn't it? And I got to tell you, it's like a billowing cloud. I could see it. It's building. What is that? That's the Spirit of God. Man, he is now testifying of the word to your heart, to my heart. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So now I allow revelation knowledge of his word. What that does is I meditate in the word day and night. It causes his armor, which is, is literally his word to come upon me. It's the armor of God. I literally am clothed in the armor of Almighty God. Why? I have to do that to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If I try to stand without the word, I can't stand. 
I have nothing to protect me. Do you see that? It doesn't matter that you're a child of God. If you don't know that there's armor and you don't have that armor on, he won't flee. Right? And how will he defeat you? You will not be able to stand. You won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You'll let go. You'll start thinking, well, maybe God wants to teach me something. And maybe this is just my cross to bear. And I've got to put up with this stuff. And all those things are lies. Right? We are never to say what the enemy says. You can't, you can't obey and say what God says and say, man, I'm so stupid. I can't do this. I'm so weak. That, that is not even in our vocabulary. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, wait. I thought you said you were a Christian. Well, I am, but. No, no. There's no buts. Right? You either are or you're not, and you might not feel like it right now, but brother or sister, I'm telling you, you are, and I'm basing it on something, a higher truth. There's something beyond your senses here. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and we looked at that. What are the wiles of the devil? He travels down one road one way. What is that road against every one of us? He's throwing thought after thought after thought after thought to try to convince you that what God said is not true. That's all he has. Now he's good at it, but he can't stand up to a believer that knows two or three scriptures, knows them, has epinosis of them, a higher knowledge, a revelation knowledge that once you get pushed, man, it is written. You push me, what comes out is it is written. Right? When you get in a battle, you'll find out what's on the inside of you because it's coming out of your mouth. And if you're whining and complaining and saying things, uh, we'll never judge you because we've been there. But don't stay there. Let's repent of that. Shut the door. Get full of the word. Operate the way you're supposed to operate and be strong in him. Stop trying to be strong in you. You can't do it. Right? Can we just settle that? The life that God wants you to live. They say three out of four people have to get cancer. That, that's a statistic. That's a real statistic. Well, I got to tell you, I'm going to say no. If cancer knocks on my door, I'm going to say no, I'm not taking it. If I have symptoms in my body, I will never tell you. I'll never say I have this or I have that. No, I'll call it a lying, a lying symptom. What is a symptom? It is literally... Uh, uh, it's an outward manifestation of a spiritual attack against your life. Is it fake? No, it's very real. It'll kill you, right? Is cancer real? Yeah, but the healing power of God is more real. This is what I'm saying. So then he goes on in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we make sure we know because see, the enemy will use people. He'll use circumstances against you to try to convince you that what you're facing, you're not going to be able to overcome. He'll, he'll use, so this is why this is written. You're not wrestling against people, never against flesh and blood. Your husband's not your problem. Your wife is not your problem. Every, every person on this planet is not your problem. Your boss, your competitor can't stop you. Does that make sense? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, or in high places, excuse me, not heavenly places. It's high places. Don't exalt the enemy. That just means the air under the mountain. Right? We don't have to go up in an airplane or go up in a mountain and take captivity captive. No, Jesus already did that. But Satan's down here on the earth. And yes, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. They're there, but they're defeated. They were there when they were stripped, when Satan was stripped of everything. Right? This is, this is a powerful truth. We wrestle against them, but how we wrestle is we stay at rest and speak God's word and stand in a revelation knowledge, the armor of God. It says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. We are to stand. That means, we said this last week, we're to take some very determined steps to ensure that the faith that I exercised when I believed that I received, that I will follow through and stand in that faith until I see my answer in this realm. That's what it means to stand. Winning your faith battle is all about standing. Right? The only variable is going to be how long you're going to have to stand, but we never, ever put our faith in time. Because notice, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And then you'll have them. See, i got to tell you, I've laid hold of some things inside of me that I haven't seen on the outside yet. But that doesn't mean that I don't have them. I've already received them. They're mine. I'll never let them go. And there's nothing Satan can ever do to stop it from coming. Isn't that exciting? This is what we're talking about. Man, I'm telling you, this is so powerful. So this principle number two, securing God's promise within us. That means before I've ever prayed, I have scriptures that are my foundation for my prayer. You could say it this way, the prayer of faith has a sure foundation. Securing God's promise from within is you always examining, examining the foundation that you're standing on. Am I standing on the foundation that I think I'm good enough and, you know, I led somebody to Christ or, I, I, you know, I've been kind of walking pretty good so I, I feel like God should heal me. No, 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 it can't be on that. It has to be on, it, this is all about Jesus. It has to be on the word of God. Because, see, God doesn't heal some and not others. He's provided it for everybody, everyone who will simply believe him, right? This whole thing, I mean, Deuteronomy 30, 19, is the God of heaven in his love and mercy for a lost world saying, guys, I've got good news. I'm setting before you today, not just death. That's what you choose and that's, what, that's all that you had. No, no, no. I'm setting before you today life and death. Blessing and cursing. Now choose life that you will live. You and your seed. So important. Satan is always going to come 
questioning and challenging you how to look at your circumstances. It's so subtle. You look at your circumstances and, and the world system will tell you you can't have that, what you desire. Right? The world system will tell you, no, you're never going to be able to walk again. No, you're never going to be able to see clearly again. No, you're never going to be able to do that. That is just not the Bible. Isn't that good news? So Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3, I just love it. You know, he, he upholds all things by the word of his power. So the devil tempts you with thoughts of failure and defeat. He plants these thoughts in your mind to gain access to your heart because your heart, basically your mind is the doorway to your heart. It's the control center of your life. Hallelujah. Satan wants to gain access to what you believe and he does it through your thought life. So you've got to maintain and guard your heart. You have to guard your thoughts. To guard your heart, you'll have to guard your thoughts. Right? But to guard your thoughts, you're going to have to be hearing the right thing. That means you're going to have to make a decision. This is why I said it's so important that you live in this time. More than ever before in history, you have to live your life as Jesus is your Lord. Not just Savior, right? Were you your Lord? You do what you want, and he's your, he's your fire insurance. See, you'll never be able to hear the word like that. You'll be just like 2 Timothy 3 says, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because you just love yourself, right? If you love God, you'll do what he says, bottom line. And he'll help you if you want it. So this is huge. To protect your heart, you must protect your thoughts. you got to be careful what you allow into your mind. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Proverbs 4.23, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues or the boundaries of life. So faith's battleground, as we've said, is in the mind. When, when your thoughts accept God's word to be true, now God has access in your life. And boy, he could pour, he has access to your spirit in a way, now he could pour revelation knowledge into it. But if you give Satan access, he'll pour his thoughts into your mind. And it'll take your boundaries like this. Oh, you might think they're getting wider because it'll be all about you. But in reality, it's a deception. It's, when you live all about you, your boundaries are going like this. Right? So we have to be very careful. Your mind is the entrance to your heart. To stay in faith, you're going to have to have to guard your heart by protecting your thoughts. Does that make sense? I know I'm saying this over and over and over, but I don't think I could say it enough. To believe you receive. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. To believe that you receive means to act precisely in line with what God's word says. 
Securing God's word means you take that word that is the foundation of your prayer of faith and you use these words to answer the enemy's attack. I'm going to say that again. Securing God's word in your heart, within yourself, it literally means you take the word of God that is the foundation of your prayer of faith for whatever subject it is, and you use those words to answer the enemy every time he comes. Every time. You know, I've, I've heard the statement, powerful man of God said it, that literally a thought unspoken will die unborn. That's great. I know in my life, I'd rather, have you ever tried just, okay, I'm not speaking it. There's a time for that. But I got to tell you, when you speak the word of God to a thought, it will run and leave instantly. I found in my life that I'm going to be answering these thoughts. I'm going to stand against because you, you just start, you keep walking around going, okay, I, I'm just not going to speak this. I'm not going to speak it. I'm not going to speak it. I'm not going to speak it. It's not, you're not near as strong as when you're going, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, right? Every promise in the word of God is yours. It's been given to you. All of heaven is behind, starting with your father, the Lord Jesus, the mighty Holy Spirit, they watch over it to perform it in your life. The angels, there are angels that have been assigned to you and I as children of God. They minister to us who are heirs of salvation. Right? We have all of heaven behind us. The word of God is true. This is why it's so important that we take these things and run with them. So now let's look at a story of J. Iris, because he's a perfect example. We're going to kind of jump into this story. The healing of J. Iris's 12-year-old daughter. We're going to look at this story because this was all about him securing the promise of God. Because it was pretty tough. Because things got elevated right in the middle of his faith battle. Elevated from, Jesus, will you come heal my daughter, to... Your daughter's now dead. And we have no record of Jesus' earthly ministry up to that point ever raising anybody from the dead. So it got elevated. So let's go. Um, I, you know, let me think about it. I think we're going to go probably to Luke, but I think we might start in Matthew. Run over to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. We'll start there. Matthew 9, 18. Realize this is about a father of a 12-year-old girl that is laying at the point of death. And, he, and here's a father that is doing everything to gain his daughter's healing. Right? Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He had the highest position of authority and visibility in the synagogue. So he was a ruler in the synagogue. The greatest attacks against Jesus came through the religious leaders of the day. All of Jairus's buddies would have hated Jesus. There's a possibility that even Jairus took part in, in who knows what. We don't know. But his whole, his whole environment, all of his peers, would have been those that come against Jesus. The greatest attacks were from these type of people. But Jairus learned this 
that his position in the religious community, his position that he had in his religion could not do for his daughter what Jesus could do. Right? All, all that he was was not enough. In the same way, when you get in circumstances, and will you get in circumstances? Well, to qualify for circumstances that are bigger than you, you just have to live on the planet. So I guess all of us live on the planet. So that means when we walk through the water, when we go through the fire, guess what? We better know that he's with us because he is, right? So the one that religion hated, that was Jesus, was the one who could help him save his daughter. Think about where he came. He had to literally go, okay, I can't play this thing anymore. They're saying all this stuff about Jesus, but all I'm hearing is everybody who comes to him gets healed. And now I've been put in a no-win situation. If I'm seen with Jesus, it's going to mess some stuff up in my personal life. Right? It's going to rock my world. But... I, want, I don't want my daughter to die. Isn't that interesting? You know, you know how many Christians get backed into a corner where all of a sudden the, the symptoms get worse and worse and worse and now they're in a corner and they're sitting. They, go, take, they do, go do a bunch of labs and then they meet with the doctor and the doctor says, I'm very sorry, but there's nothing that we can do. And here's a Christian who's been taught for decades that God heals some and not others. But I've got this one friend, this one freaky lady who always runs around saying that Jesus wants everybody healed, but you know, none of us listen to her because she's, you know, I mean, there's no way it could be like that because my pastor said that God heals some and not others. And my whole environment is God's sovereign, which means, you know, he does what he wants. So he heals some and not others. And, but now I'm in a position where, okay, what am I going to hang on to? Because something about this, when I hear that Jesus is my healer, it explodes in my heart. Why? Because it's truth. And to receive from God, I'm telling you, you're going to have to let go of junk. Right? You're going to have to, you're going to, have to let go of some things, some beliefs, whatever it is. J. Iris has had to do that. J. Iris took his repu reputation... Jairus took his position and he laid it down to secure what he lacked. You're going to have to lay down who you think you are and what you think you have to secure Jesus because he's the answer to what you're lacking, right? Jairus was willing to do whatever it took to obtain his daughter's healing. That's pretty awesome. Many people are not willing to lay down their religion. They're not willing to lay down their way of thinking. And they're never able to receive from God that way. Some would rather die than change. Religion is a killer because it could be so defiant and unteachable. So we don't ever want to be defiant on the word of God or unteachable. People won't listen to God's word because they think they already know what it says. Oh, that's that, that, that faith stuff. 
What, what, what about that faith stuff? Tell me, what, what, what do you think you know, right? It's amazing how I've, I mean, you look at Daniel, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was just watching a video about uh, just coming against a lot of stuff that we preach, and, and I saw this guy, he was a great guy, pastor, you know, and uh, doctor, doctorate degree and all this stuff, very educated man. And he's, and he's talking about when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing before Nebuchadnezzar. And he was like preaching it like he just knew it. He's like, you know, they stood before Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar said to him that he read the whole thing. He's like, Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, guys, when the horns play, if you bow, then everything's cool. It's going to be okay. But if you don't bow, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to throw you the same hour into a fiery, burning furnace. And then, then Nebuchadnezzar asked him a question. And who is that God that's going to deliver you? So the answer, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King, we're not going to be careful to answer you in this, ma in this matter. If you throw us in to that fiery furnace... Our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. But if not, we're not going to bow. And this guy took that like saying, and if not, if God doesn't deliver us, then we're not going to bow. But even an ignorant person would know, if you're in a fiery furnace... It's, it can't, he can't be, well, I'm not, I'm not going to bow if God doesn't deliver me. Because you're going to be ashes. No, no. I mean, anybody could read this and go, but, but if not, king, if you don't throw us in, we're not bowing. Every, I mean, anybody with any kind of education could see that, but not an educated religious person. Do you see this? This is what we're talking about here. J. Iris had to let go of his deal to embrace Jesus. Rejecting God's word is rejecting him and it's rejecting his help. Even though, like, here's Jesus. He's preaching. I believe it was his own house. But wherever he was, let's just say it wasn't his house. That would be amazing to me. But if it wasn't, who cares? He's in a house and, and his house is full of religious leaders, scribes, doctors of the law, Pharisees. And the Bible says they were all there to catch him saying something wrong. But because God is so loving, the Bible mentions that the power of God was present to heal them. Even though they were there for wrong motives. But notice the wrong motives, nobody's getting healed. Because even though God still looked beyond what they were thinking of him and still wanted them healed, then all of a sudden, they start hearing stuff on the roof. Big hole gets broken through. Probably all the religious leaders got mad because they got you know, stuff all over their, their robes and everything. And then all of a sudden, this guy gets lowered down by four of his friends. And Jesus looks at him and says, Son, your sins are forgiven you, which you could imagine what they thought about that. Who does this guy think he is? That's what religion says. Religion will say to you, who do you think you are to think you could be healed? Who do you think you are that you could be set free? Listen, guys, this is a whosoever will. 
We've got drug addicts, pimps, murderers preaching the gospel in pulpits. That doesn't make any sense unless you're God who makes all things new. Right? I love it. So anyway, Jesus is like, well, hey, I know you're having a problem with this, this forgiving of sins thing, but what's, what's easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven, or as an example, rise, take up your bed and walk. And then this guy gets up. Could you imagine their faces then? They're religious. You know what their faces were like? They were even madder. We have examples in Jesus' ministry. A woman that's bowed down for all kinds of years gets, gets healed on the Sabbath. A guy with a withered hand gets healed on the Sabbath, and they want to stone Jesus. It's like, are you kidding me? Right? we got to get away from religion. Mark 7.13 says this, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. So let's jump Matthew 9. Did you find Matthew 9, verse 18 yet? So here's the story of Jairus. While he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped. This means Jairus came, kneeled down to show respect and treated Jesus as a superior. So we see like we see in all cases that receive from God, we see humility. He, he, came, he came and worshiped him saying, my daughter is even now dead. In the Greek language, it would read, my daughter is even now at the very point of death. But come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. So we see Jairus' faith. In Mark, you don't turn there, but in Mark 5.22, in the New King James Version, it literally, it, it says that Jairus begged Jesus earnestly. In Mark 5.23, it says, My little daughter lies at the point of death, Come and lay your hands on her and that she may be healed and she shall live. He was convinced of this. Luke chapter 8 verse 42, it says, For he had only one daughter about 12 years of age and she lay a dying. Realize this, guys. Jesus is not the great I was. He's the great I am. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals you. Right? Faith will tell you ahead of time what's going to happen. Right now, whatever you're believing God for, faith will tell you what's going to happen ahead of time. You already know the end of the story. All you have to do is look at God's word. Numbers 14, 28 says, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you've spoken in my ears, so will I do or so will I allow in your life. Confession for a Christian, homo logeo, it means to say the same thing that God says. This, give God, this, this gives God a legal right to perform his word in your life when you say what he says. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 19. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So Jairus comes and says, Lord, if you'll come to my house, my 12-year-old daughter is laying at the point of death. But if you'll lay hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll live. Jesus, what does he do? He arises and he follows him and his disciples went with him. So now they're walking towards Jairus' house. 
Mark 5, 24, Mark's account says, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And we know that in this multitude, all of a sudden, this little lady with an issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and got healed. Right? And so now, power goes out of him. He turns around, and he's like, who touched me? And then pretty soon, she comes up and tells him all the truth. Jairus is standing right there. This is all happening on the way to Jairus' house. Why did Jesus say he would go to Jairus' house? Because the Holy Spirit, we know his father was leading him by his spirit. But we also know that why was he leading him? Because Jairus was saying the, same, the right thing. He was in faith. God goes where faith puts him. And you see in Jesus' ministry, and this I'll tell you guys, all his ministers, Jesus never carried the cares of the people he ministered to. We see that because he wasn't rushed. This girl's at the point of death and, and another woman reaches out because see, with God, he's never too late. So he's never rushed. He's not moved. He doesn't, he doesn't carry. Jesus is not carrying it the way we shouldn't. See, if Jesus is carrying the care of Jairus, he's probably going to, just blow this woman with the issue of blood off. But no, that's not what God does ever. He's, he's never moved from without. He's only moved from within. And he's our example. We are never to be moved from without. So hang with me. We're, all, we're, we're getting close here. But I, I need a little more time to get this right. Hebrews 4.3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. If you jump down to verse 9 of that same chapter, it says, There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And then verse 11 says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Rest is the abiding place of those that receive, of those that believe God and receive his promises. Faith's position is always rest. Always. Why? Because it's done. When you say, Father, I believe that I receive, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen, it's done. And if it's done, it's done. So now my job is to rest. You'll never be able to receive from God until you are at rest. And you can tell if you're in faith or not. Are you struggling? Are you stressing? Or are you resting? Now, let me, let me tell you how you'll know that. You'll know that only one way. What's coming out of your mouth? Because here's the thing. You can be resting inside with all hell breaking loose in your mind. Because the mind's the battlefield. So that you just take those thoughts captive. So sometimes you're resting, but you don't feel at rest. If you're in pain, you'll feel like you're struggling. But you're not struggling. As long as the words in your heart and coming out of your mouth, you'll be at rest. So be careful with that. This is a big one. You may not know how God is going to bring it to pass... But just rest. 
Satan will always talk to you about how. How is not your deal, it's his deal, right? 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified Version says it real well. This is how you rest, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, because he care, for he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. Resting in God means leaning and trusting on his word. It's Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Right? The New American Standard of Psalm 46.10 says this. Cease striving and know that I'm God. The contemporary English version says, Our God says calm down and learn that I'm God. God's word translation says, let go of your concerns, then you'll know that I am God. Another way, another way to say that is faith is completely void of trying. Faith doesn't try, it does, it receives, right? So let's finish this story. While he yet spoke, this is Luke chapter 8. We're going to jump over to Luke's account. You can jump over there if you want. Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at verse 49 through verse 56 and finish this story. Luke chapter 8, verse 49. While he yet spoke, there comes one of the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. So now, after this interaction with the woman of blood, one of J. Iris's people from his household comes and says, Hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter is dead. Jesus, look at what it says in verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Notice, when everything got elevated, God's word came right to him to help him. Because it's impossible for you to fear not if you don't have the word. The thing that will cause you to fear not is you have the word. Jesus is saying, he, he has God's word, she will be made whole, but don't you fear. In Mark's account, it says this in verse, chapter 5, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. In, Mark, in that same verse, in the Amplified Version, it says this, Overhearing... But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing. Isn't that amazing? Do you see how clear this is? Jesus was steering Jairus through the pitfalls of doubt to hold him on course. That's what the Holy Spirit will do with you every step of the way. Right? 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God, which always causes me to triumph. Don't, what are we saying with all this? Do not let fear change your words. Fear will get you to say what the devil is saying. You may feel terrified in your flesh or in your emotions. However, that does not mean you've yielded to fear. Faith is what brought Jesus on the journey and faith must continue if Jesus is to continue on the journey. Without faith, it's impossible to receive from God. 
Don't allow doubt to end what faith started. This is huge. This is like foundational. Notice that Jairus, it has no record of him saying anything. Luke chapter 8, verse 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. What do we learn from that? The bigger the battle, the more selective that you should be about those that you allow around you. If you are in a big faith battle, you may have to tell some family members, I can't talk to you right now. They might get very angry at you. But listen, get well, get healed, and then trust God, love them until you win. Because love never fails, right? There were times when Jesus took people out of the town where they were at. There were times when Jesus said, don't go back to that town. Verse 52, and all wept and bewailed her, but he said, weep not, she's not dead, but sleeps. Could you imagine? All these people are weeping. And Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't weep, she's not dead. I mean, you would think that everybody would go, really? Wow. No, they proved that their weeping was fake. Because then they laughed him to scorn. You don't go from weeping for the death of your friend's daughter to laughing somebody to scorn. What fake and phony things, right? Verse 54, and he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Made arise. In other words, Jesus removed all the obstacles that could hinder the parents' faith. He took them all out. He said, all you guys are out. Right? I've had to do that before with a bunch of bikers. There was a young lady in our church, and her dad was in hospice, dying of cancer. And he was willing to see me, and I knew he was going to die any, any hour. And he kind of came to, when I, when I came in the place, and I told her, I said, I need 10 minutes alone with him. Because we can't have a bunch of his buddies. I, I, you know, you got to remove all the obstacles. Ten minutes, I was, I mean, they were giving me some looks when they were walking out the door. Like, who in the world do you think you are? But you, you know what? I'm so glad that we did that because he got saved. And he died the next morning. So he's in heaven today. Right? So it's worth it. Jesus removed all the obstacles. Jesus ministered perfectly. He spoke to the dead body. Do you see? Could you imagine on the way to his house, every step that Jairus took, we know the enemy's going, she's already dead. What are you doing? Come on. Lose it. Speak it. Please, Jairus, come on. Say she's dead. But he didn't say anything. Jesus said, don't fear, only believe if he said anything, we don't have a record of it, it had to be faith. This is so important in your faith battle. He secured the word of God simply by believing Jesus had said, listen, don't fear, only believe, and your daughter will be made whole. Not just healed, but made whole. So then in uh, chapter or verse 55 and her spirit came again and she rose straightway and he commanded to give her meat apparently when you die you're hungry when you come back okay so you know whatever <laughs> 
The young girl was healed of whatever killed her and then she and, and was raised from the dead. Verse 56, and her parents were astonished. They amazed and they wondered, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. This is a huge thing, guys. Had J. Iris not secured the word of God, that story wouldn't be in the Bible today. If Abraham didn't believe, he would not be the father of faith. Does that make sense? I guess, just in closing, and I know I've went a little long tonight, I'm not going to apologize for that, but it'll help us. Your, whatever God's word says is true. I don't care who stands up and says anything. If they're not saying it is written, and they can't back it up with two or three scriptures at least, don't let it move you. God wants you to walk and have everything that his word has promised you. But you got to know your enemy, know how he operates, and you have to secure the word of God. Amen?